0: Welcome to Meet Me in Tennessee. I'm your host, Allie, and this podcast is sponsored by the Northeast Tennessee Tourism Association. You can find us online at northeasttennessee.org and on all the socials. Today with us, we have Taylor Klarman of River Run Angling, and also joining us is his wife, Marley, and their beautiful baby girl, Cooper. Thanks, guys, for coming to talk with us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: Um, so River Run Angling is a guided fly fishing business that runs down the South Holston and Watauga Rivers.
1: That's correct, yeah.
0: Um, Taylor, can you give us a little background on your experience with fishing?
1: Yeah, so uh, so my fishing started at, at a really early age. I'm originally from South Alabama, really small town on uh, Mobile Bay called Fairhope. Uh, just kind of a, a quaint, you know, sailboat fishing, uh, skiing, wakeboarding, uh, kind of town and, and, uh, what's unique is Mobile Bay actually heads out into the Gulf of Mexico in between, uh, uh, Dolphin, Dolphin Island, Island and, 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 uh, South pass there. And, uh, so, yeah, we just, we had all this, uh, room to roam as, as teenagers and that's, that's where the root of all my, uh, fishing and outdoors experience started.
0: Very cool. Um, so what are a couple of things that get you really amped up to take clients down the rivers?
1: Um man there's there's a few things uh one the weather and the scenery you know we we live here tucked in uh this East Tennessee uh, atmosphere where there's you know you have the mountains and the rivers and uh, depending on the time of year they're either you know the tops are covered with snow or a bright uh, bright spring day where uh, bugs are floating around there's eagles and otters and beavers and uh, you know to, to backtrack your uh, the float that you and I went on there we saw the, the little baby beavers there under the bridge uh, floating on that one log so um, really just the wildlife and, and the nature uh, people get to come here and see things that they don't normally get to see um, and a lot of it's just so picturesque that it's it's magazine quality type stuff. But the other thing is, is is taking the people out and fishing, whether they're beginning beginners or they've done it for a really long time. Um, the exclusiveness of fishing for brown and rainbow trout is the fish are very smart. They're really predatorial. Um, there's a lot that goes into each season to figure out how to catch these fish. And so the teaching aspect for me is the biggest thing. Um, you know, you, you get a, a, a huge difference in clientele base. You have some, some clients that want to come out and they only want to catch, you know, trophy fish that are over 20 inches. And so we'll go and do that. Um, and that's a lot of fun because you have to put in a lot of time and work to figure out how to get those bigger fish to eat. And the reason why is they... You know, mature male brown trout's anywhere from 11 to 15 years old and even older, they, they didn't get that big and survive in that ecosystem without, you know, not learning how not to be caught. They, they know. And uh, so that's a lot of fun with the big fish. Um, the other thing with the teaching is, is, is with, with new people there's an entire process that they have to go through from tying on the correct flies, to learning how to cast it, the different rigs and systems that we use in uh, different fly rod setups. It's, uh, it's an all day experience and you, ha- you just have to be open-minded and, and, and having that willingness to learn. So for me, that teaching aspect is really huge.
0: Sure, absolutely. Um, and I just wanted to backtrack and talk a little bit about the uh, the native brown trout, because when we got to go float last week, which was a super fun time, um, you caught two of those and kind of explained to me that those are native.
1: Yeah. So the, the native factor is uh, it, it, there again, you know, to this area, it's really unique. So those rivers, um, <clears throat> the brown trout are native, and they had a restocking program through TVA, Uh, many 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 years ago and basically the restocking is to keep up with the next generations to come and so with the brown trout we actually have not had to restock those fish since the 80s so that means that their habitat is thriving they're reproducing year by year and it's able to keep up with the quality and numbers of fish that are in the river.
0: Sure I just find that so fascinating um, another cool aspect with the wildlife you get to see on the river—the uh, heron nesting ground—that was such a cool experience.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so that's a that's a winter occurrence, and I was I was super happy to get to to show that to you. And oddly enough, you know, I've been floating these rivers, you know, for some years now, and I was on a float with another guide uh, that I fish with and hang out with a lot, and he was the one who actually pointed that out to me just a couple weeks ago. And it was something that I had seen and noticed before. But, you know, again, as we talked about, like every day that I go out there, whether I'm fishing or just floating, um, I see something that maybe I've seen before, but I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it. Sure. Um, So I was, it was really cool to see that and then be able to point it out to you. But so that's a winter occurrence. And it's only in that one section of the river. It's right before Hickory Tree Bridge. There are all those heron nests there. And we probably saw 20, 30 heron just.
0: At least. It was so cool.
1: Yeah, they're just sitting there roosting and uh, and doing their thing. And I, I don't know enough about their reproduction or why they're there that certain time of year. I think it has something to do with that. And that's something I need to look a little more into just from my own knowledge. But yeah, just a, a super cool happening for sure.
0: Very cool. Um, so when you're taking new clients down the river, are you primarily fishing for brown and rainbow trout?
1: Yeah. So the, the, the south fork of the Holston River there, um, it hosts brown trout, rainbow trout certain times of the year. The striped bass come up into the river and they're feeding and then they'll go back down to the lake so the South Holston and the Watauga both dump out in Boone Lake and so when you get to the lake you'll run into different species as far as the bass go Uh, but predominantly on those rivers it's the brown and the rainbows that's what we're after.
0: Very cool Um, so when you get new clients out here who haven't fished before what are their reactions to coming out here and seeing these rivers? (laughs)
1: I said a great question. So it you know, and it's all case by case, but generally, you know, we'll start out fishing heavy and hot. We'll we'll go into the first hour or two of catching fish. Um, you got to look at it like this: eight hours of fishing on the river—that's a long day for anybody, whether you're experienced or not. So, after catching some fish, um, you know, you go further down the river on that float. And uh, as I showed you, where we stopped and turned the boat around, I was like, you know, this is one of the best views on the river. Usually when I get to that section and kind of, I guess, open their eyes more to what's going on around them instead of them being so focused on catching those fish, I've had people that have literally just turned around after they've caught a few fish and they go, hey, this fishing's really fun and we appreciate it, but here's the rod back. Like, we really just want to look at at the river.
0: can't beat the scenery with the beautiful Holston Mountains in the backdrop And I know you also had mentioned on the boat that you also do river tours. So you might come out with some gal pals and just want to float the river.
1: Yeah. So, and I would, I want to get more into that, um, this year and it's something I've had on my website, but I haven't really promoted. Um, this past summer I had a guy who booked me and it was kind of an odd occurrence at first. Um, but the next few times he came back, that's when it really clicked for me because this guy, he showed up with a, a banana a book and a bottle of water. And I think I told you the story and we, we got out there and, uh, I, I'm not going to mention his name, but I, I just told him, I was like, sir, I was like, Hey, um, you know, I started to get the rods out and he was like, no, like we're, we're fine. Just float. And, uh, you know, I just, I couldn't figure out what this, you know, what the deal was. Um, and then, uh, he called me back, you know, a couple months later and he came again and we did the same thing. Um, what I realized through that, and then, you know, and this is just for him and who he is. He he is a very prominent person, um, but for him, after I finally did get to know him and he finally talked, he said, "I can come out here with you, float, bring you know a bottle of water, a banana, and a book." And he said, "I turned my cell phone off." He said, "This is literally the only day out of the month that I have to myself where I can just be." Wow. And so the more I got to know him, I, you know, I got to ask him questions and he's, you know, we talked about the scenery we talked about the eagles and the otters and, you know, the occurrences on the river with all the wildlife and, and he does, he, he comes from Raleigh and he says, you know, we, we have some of this stuff in Raleigh and, and over in that North Carolina, you know, they're just over the border there. Um, he was like, but to come here and do it, he said, you know, it's just one of those experiences that you just don't get every day. And so that was really cool. So, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to promote more of the, uh, the river tours and kind of how it goes is we're going to do the same thing with you that we would do fishing. We're going to put you in the boat for, you know, a full day or a half day. It's up to you. And we'll float you down, same boat, same setup, same everything. Um, instead of fishing, you know, you can bring your camera, you can bring, you know, your drinks, musical playlist, whatever you want. And we'll go down the river for a day and do that. And uh, we really want to start targeting that market because, uh, kind of more into the tourism thing, you know, there's the motorsport speedway. We get a lot of people that come down for that. Um, and kind of how I see it, and it's I've talked with my wife about it, it's like, there's a lot of men that come here for the for the races or for this or for that, and I feel like their wives need something to do. And their wives may sure. not fish, right? so like bring them to us let us give them that nature experience and that relaxation for the day and then we'll get you all back together at the end of the day and do whatever you're doing but right be cool I think it'd be really cool
0: and that could be anywhere from what a few hours to a full day You said? yeah
1: we can do a half day which is four hours or we can do a full day uh which is eight hours um you know and, and what goes into that you know we're kind of no different what you and I did we'll stop at certain places. Um, You know, I don't know it all, and it's a learning process, and that's why I keep going back, but we'll stop in certain places like the waterfall that you and I stopped at and tell you the, you know, the creeks that run in the tributaries or stop at the heron's nest or stop at the eagle's nest and and just different sections of the river host so much history Especially from that South Holston aspect, the Hickory Tree area out there has so much unique history uh, as far as certain families, certain bridges, what was on this side of the river, why this was on that side of the river, um, the old swinging bridges, you know, et cetera. There's just so much that you can learn. So it's kind of like a history lesson, but we can go float nature and do the same thing. Yeah,
0: for sure. And even as a local, like I learned a lot from you that day that I didn't know, you know, hadn't seen that waterfall and. Definitely haven't been to Hickory Tree before, which got to do a <laughs> shout out for their breakfast sandwich.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, in the, in the Hickory, the Hickory Tree store, um, I was super excited to take you there. And, um, I've really been able to use that place as a history point, but too, like, you know, being an independent guide and own my own guide service, I get to do things a little bit differently than the lodges and some of the bigger fly shops. It's, uh, and not saying that they're not doing it, but for me, it's more of a personal experience. I had clients a few weeks ago. Uh, they were staying at my, one of my lodging partners at South Holston River Rentals. And I just called them and said, hey, you know, the temperature is going to be a little low tomorrow morning. Can I pick you guys up and take you f- somewhere for breakfast? And they were in agreement. Um, and it was a father-son trip, which I love those, uh, but they were from Memphis. And so I picked them up the next morning and was able to take them down to the Hickory Tree grocery store. And we just sat for an hour. We had our breakfast and our coffee. I really got to know those clients, um, really great guys, a dentist from Memphis. Um, his son was 15, uh, you know, got to learn all about his life and the sports that he's playing and sure. just a real personal experience. But Hickory Tree store is definitely your your one-stop shop for being out the river.
0: Absolutely, and I know something we talked about on the boat was something that clients can get with your business is that local feel. You have a family here that you're raising right down the street from the river, yeah. and so you can give them that the best place to eat, the best place to, you know, hike and.
1: Yeah, and that was that was uh, that was part of our vision. You know, we were you know just a month ago we were we were locals here in Johnson City, um, and the vision was to move up by the river, uh, just because of you know, that that area speaks to me and I think it speaks to our family and we, we found the acreage that we wanted and the little house that we wanted. And uh, it is, it's within two minutes from the river, but being immersed in that community and then getting to project that onto people who come from bigger cities, Memphis or Raleigh, Durham. Um, I get people from Atlanta, you know, a lot of big cities. And it's really interesting to take them around and show them the things that I get to do on a daily basis and call home And usually by the end of the trip, they all just turn, look at me and they're like, you're, you're really lucky to live here. And we would love, love to move here. And it's like, keep, keep coming and seeing us, you know, like that's the feel we want to give people for sure.
0: Absolutely. A very welcoming feel. And we are super lucky to have these rivers and mountains right in our backyard. Yeah. Um, And speaking of that, how does conservation play into your business ethics?
1: Yeah. So. Conservation is huge. Um, And it kind of goes back to those native brown trout. Um, I do have posted on my website that we're a catch and release fishery. Um, Was very steadfast in that when I first started out, um, understand the conservation behind things. And that if we deplete that resource of brown trout, there's probably not a really uh, a high chance of reintroducing them to those rivers. Every now and again, I'll get clients that say, hey, and you have to look at it from their standpoint hey we're paying you money we're going to come fish we'd like to keep the legal limit of fish Um, so for me the only way to mitigate that and keep the clients happy and the conservation is i really stress to them uh the number one rule my boat is is if you're going to keep your legal limit of fish i just don't let them keep the brown trout to eat um people are going to see that how they want and that's fine but from that conservation standpoint you know, don't, don't take our native fish, you know, TVA does a great job in restocking the rainbows. And so that resource is always going to be there. Um, so we try to focus on that a lot more than, than keeping the brown trout.
0: Yeah. Um, absolutely. How, how would you describe, I guess, a little bit back to the community, um, the community that you've moved to versus where you came from and what stands out about Northeast Tennessee?
1: yeah um this is this is the number one story for me that sums it up so when i moved here from alabama uh i moved into my house i was actually living in bristol at the time and uh you know got everything moved in kind of got settled and we i went to downtown bristol went to state line bar and grill um walked in sat at the bar got a drink got some food the bartender walks over and he looks at me and he's like i've never seen you here before what's your story And I was like, okay. I was like, well, hey, man, you know, this is who I am. I'm from Alabama. Just moved up here. I'm going to be a fly fishing guide. I'm going to make a website, yada, yada. And he's like, hey, man, that's really cool. I am a fly fishing guide. He said, here's my number. Call me tomorrow. Come jump on my boat. And I did. And he was the first person to show me the rivers. And even though he's a competing guide in the same industry, he had no problem extending that hand and just being like, hey let me show you around and we're we're still best friends to this day and uh so he works at state and which i actually you know i ended up working at state line for a little bit that was part of part of the story i told you while i was waiting on my boat to be built but uh and that, that was because of him too i just made that connection but he was literally the first person outside of my house that i spoke to when i moved here and it's turned into you know a several year friendship that i can call him anytime i need and it's that's that's the community and that's the people here
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I really had that feel just floating with you down the river, just the way you talked about other guides. And it seems like everybody's out there for support.
1: I, uh, they are, everybody is out, out there for support and try not to dive too deep off into that realm. But I was thinking about the podcast and I was sitting on our porch the other night, just looking, looking across the holler there. And, uh, you know, really thought, you know, what, what does it meant to me to, to, to be in this community and, uh, throughout my time in the Marine Corps and and being well-traveled as a kid with my parents and everything else, it's, uh, you know, I told you, I've been to 17 countries. I've lived on every coast. I've lived in some really cool towns across the United States. And basically I took several cool things from each town or geographical location, put it all together and, Honestly, Bristol, that area and the Hickory Tree area out there has everything that encompasses everywhere that I've been. And that sounds super odd when you're talking about going to 17 different countries and living on every coast, right? That's a lot of stuff to put together or to put together. And you would never think that this hidden gem in East Tennessee offers all that.
0: Absolutely. It is a hidden gem.
1: It's a hidden gem and it's super eclectic, but at the base of the diversity, is just this common ground that everybody's nice to each other. No matter if you're from New York or you visiting from Alaska or you're from California or Georgia or Alabama, it doesn't matter. Everybody here has that hometown feeling, and it's I think that, that's awesome. That
0: whole concept of everyone waves to everybody going down the street. Yeah, you know?
1: Whether it's one finger or two, it's all good. You don't get <laughs> that everywhere. No, you don't. You really don't. <laughs> I always
0: look forward to coming home and just waving to strangers.
1: Sure, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, so you talked a little bit about your military background yeah. and I think you mentioned you were a part of some veteran programs at some point.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, since, since I've been out, so I served in in the Marine Corps, um, did some time overseas. You know, I've been a lot of places, uh, since I've been out, I have, you know, in a roundabout way, whether, uh, I'm doing one this weekend, it's a perfect example. So, uh, the Fallen Outdoors, it's a, uh, it spreads across the United States. It's divided up into regions. Um, every region hosts its States, but, um, I'm putting on a float for two veterans this Saturday. It's a free float. They basically put it on the Facebook page, like, Hey, float with river run angling, two veterans. They all comment on it. They do a drawing, whoever, you know, wins the drawing gets to go. And it's completely free. Um, and that's really cool. But, uh, yeah, so, Getting out of the Marine Corps, I got out in 2015. I uh, went out to Oregon, lived out there, and guided for a little bit and came back. Um, I was a veteran service officer for the state of Alabama for for a short amount of time, and uh, it was being a benefit specialist, helping veterans get their benefits. Um, finished a, a bachelor's to do that, and uh, then uh, finished an MBA to, I don't know, they, it was – I I use my benefits. So I I finish out the rest of my benefits and, uh, you know, just kind of roundabout way uh, since I'm not working for the state department doing that stuff anymore. I just, you know, for me, it's really cool to be able to have a conduit to facilitate trips and do stuff for certain organizations to get those guys out and do things, you know?
0: Absolutely. I mean, do you think getting veterans out on the water is is beneficial?
1: It's uh, it's beneficial to everybody. Um, You know, who doesn't love free advertising, right? Um, so I get free advertisement out of it. But more importantly so, at the end of the day, like, I know that two veterans, whether, you know, they needed a mental day or they did not, um, I got to teach somebody something new or I got to give them a, you know, repetitive experience and, and hone in their skills. Um, but but at the end of the day, it's really, really good just to get people out, no matter if they're veterans or not. So
0: Absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, so Taylor, I know Cooper has momentarily left us, but do you plan on teaching her to fish one day?
1: So I think uh, you know, we were, we were briefly talking about that uh on the boat and before this podcast started. And uh we'll bring her <laughs> back in. But uh yes, yeah, a little snack real quick. So Cooper's almost six months old, but uh yeah, the the first thing I plan on teaching her is to fish. Um her her nana her grandmother my mother um i got a lot of fishing for my mom and so my mom's really excited to also be a huge part in that and uh and take place but um you know my biggest thing is is uh, as a father which i don't have any of it figured out at all and never will claim to but uh, for me i really just want to keep her on the boat you know keep her on the boat in the woods and on the water and uh you know let life take its course with her but but teaching her how to fish will definitely be one of the first motor skills uh, you know, I think we'll we'll be hitting on pretty hard with her. So
0: yeah, it's one day at a time.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> and um, Marley, I'll bring you on here real quick if you got that microphone handy. Um, if you want to tell our listeners a little bit about where you're from and just moving here to
2: Northeast Tennessee, how that's been raising a family. Um, well, I am from I'm actually from the South Side of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, moved here and finished school. I did um, occupational therapy, and I was working with the geriatric um, population, Um, and now I stay home with her. And uh, honestly, I mean, like where we have and where we're at, I couldn't imagine raising her in a better place. Um, Also, I lived here for probably five or six years before I even knew that that river was basically there. Um, I worked in downtown for years, going through school, and um when I started dating Taylor that was that was our thing we would we'd go in the river we'd fish he'd teach me how to do that and so realizing that that was in our backyard for so long that I I didn't realize it was such a huge like tourist thing and like people pay a lot of money to come and do this and and um it makes me feel like really lucky and appreciative to like kind of stumbled upon it and like now get to do it every day. Well, not anymore. We I don't know. The last time I went, I was probably what nine months pregnant. And that was whew.
0: I'm sure that was a trip to remember. <laughs> uh it was.
2: It, <laughs> it actually was.
1: <laughs> it was because uh it was the middle of summer, it was July. So yeah, it was a funny story. It was so it was the middle of July, it was really hot. Um and I had just gotten off like a 10 to 15 day span of you know guiding. And uh, so my my uh, patience with things wasn't what it should have been. And uh, it set it off. I was trying to do something. He
2: was trying to get some chips <laughs> yeah. for himself out of the compartment or whatever and i waited too long to say hey <laughs> can i have one too so he had to open it back up again and oh my gosh we was, we
1: had a little tiff it. over that and it was really my patience i uh, you know but uh it was funny but we we do joke about cooper so with cooper um anytime there's motion or movement involved she'll fall asleep like that, and we uh, we equated or attributed to, you know, we have Marley on the boat all the way up until nine months pregnant. And so I think, and as you felt kind of the swaying, you know of the boat, um, so that's that's kind of our thing with Cooper. If we need anything, we just put motion to her and she goes to sleep. so yeah.
2: I also want to say that last trip I went on, it was we went later than usual, and um it was so dark out there and I was paranoid. I was like, this is when I'm gonna have this baby. Like the worst possible time, I'm gonna go into labor. And I didn't, but I remember we couldn't see anything and he hands me this flashlight and was like, here, this will help, like be the light.
1: I, I knew it flashed, wouldn't help. Yeah. I was just trying you to make her it. feel better. I
2: flashed it. All you could see bugs, 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 bugs. Nothing else in front of us. It was better to see without the flashlight than with the flashlight. And I was so annoyed. I just wanted to be off the water. But we'll have a better trip next time. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And speaking of bugs, I can't help it, but go back to
0: um, springs coming up. Yeah. And thinking about the hatches out there. Yeah. Um, what's popping?
1: What's popping? So um, great question. And we we definitely hit on that the other day. And uh, you know. So it's, a, it's a lot to explain so we'll just kind of we'll, we'll put it in simple form so sure. in fly fishing we have a saying it's called match the hatch so these trout uh, they really love to eat the bugs that are flying around uh, in the air and uh, so springtime comes the uh, the sun heats up the sky a little bit uh, we get some some moving water and uh, that creates and generates the hatches of the bugs um, So getting into uh, springtime here we'll, we usually start off with uh, what we call the Mother's Day caddis hatch so usually around mother's day every year, uh, we have these big caddis hatches. And, uh, so we'll start with the caddis and then, uh, we'll move into mayflies and then, uh, blue wing olives, which the blue wing olives, uh, this year was kind of a different deal. They were actually hatching kind of year round and usually don't see that in the colder months. Um, but it was a phenomenal year for that. And so, yeah, we're, we're getting excited for warmer weather and a lot more bugs to be floating around the river. And, uh, that really, uh, really warms the fish up too they get super active and start eating a lot so you've you've got some really good day because right now in the winter um right now in the winter we're going through uh spawning season which spawning season is technically over um but the fish are you know a little colder a little more lethargic uh they're not eating as much and so what we look forward to is the post spawn fish, um, the post spawn fish are trying to eat more and regenerate what they've lost during the spawning season. So, sure, the bugs definitely attribute to that,
0: yeah. And you think those early, um, I don't know if you call them spawns or early hatches, but are happening with the warmer weather. Like oh, I yeah, earlier.
1: yeah, the, the warmer weather what is what kicks that off for That's sure.
0: Interesting to think yeah. about.
1: Uh, well, it's it's uh, kind of with every uh, other entity of outdoor life. I mean, you need sunshine for things to grow. And, uh, that's once we get that sunshine, that, that really helps.
0: Awesome. Um, so I guess if someone were looking to book a trip, would you recommend a certain month or the best time of year to come?
1: So I've, I have flip flopped on that answer in my head, uh, over the past few years. And it's just, the more I'm out there, the more I learn, you know, it's, it's not something that you just Figure out, and it's a one and done deal, and you can run that same trip every time. That's not how these rivers work. Um, Being a tailwater system where we rely on a generation schedule, every time they turn that switch off and turn it back on and give us new water, there's a new way to fish that river, right? Um, So I will say this to keep it short and, and kind of down a little bit, but my favorite time of year to fish now is actually. Uh, about october through the end of december beginning of january i
0: didn't expect that
1: no and a lot of people don't but the the form of method is why so generally in fly fishing the way we run these trips we utilize three different main methods it's uh dry fly fishing nymphing or streamers and so streamers are those really big long flies that i showed you the other day um the streamer bite during the colder months is really good. Um, the fish that you typically catch are going to be a trophy fish. They're going to be over those 20 inch fish. So for me, I started to learn a lot more of that this year cause it was something, you know, I always had the equipment on the boat. I never got a lot of requests for it. Um, so I didn't put a lot of time into learning it. And this year I did. And once I started figuring things out with it, it, it sparked a new interest with me. And it, it goes back to that saying, like, there's always something to learn on the river. Um, but what I do tell people, and this is, this is general with, with, with people in the, I'm sorry, in population alone, you know, everybody looks forward to that springtime, get out of that hibernation sun's out. They want to go be outdoors. They want to, you know, the sun's beating down on you. It feels good again. Uh, you're kind of getting back into that summer routine. Um, so what I, I tell people, um, you know, March, April, and May are probably the the three months that, um, you know, people really start booking their trips in and start getting out there. Um, June and July can be kind of tough with the fishing sometimes, and it's just due to us having a lack of water coming from TVA. And these fish love a really cold temperature. So when the water heats up and then the fish, they basically... They, they kind of shut down. Um, I was looking for the word and it escaped me. Disoriented. It's kind of a disoriented feel to them because once the water temperature goes up, their body temperature goes up. So it kind of shuts them down. Um, so June and July are, are a little bit tough sometimes. But this, this spring, these like true spring months that are coming up are really huge for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you can fish year round in Tennessee.
1: Yeah, cool. it's a year round fishery. Um, it's kind of it, it's been uh, something to note for me. I get you know I get a lot of phone calls in the fall, and a lot of people are like, "Well, you know, how long does this last?" And I'm like, "It's a year round fishery." And, and then the question you go, comes, you know, why? I'm like, "Well, you know, that has to do with the trout and their habitat. They love being super cold, and so the colder months are actually some of the better months to fish."
0: Um, we're going to switch it up a little bit, sure. yeah. take it to a little more personal, but we'll still yeah. keep fishing in the mix. Absolutely. Um, so can you share with our listeners, maybe a story about a favorite time, uh, catching a fish or, or taking a client down the river?
1: Uh, I'll actually, I'll, I'll integrate both those. And this actually just happened two months ago. So, uh, and I'll, I'll kind of backtrack it. So, um, Way earlier in the year, uh, phone rang, had two guys, uh, one's from Missouri and one's from Arkansas. They're they're like best friends. They call, they book a two-day trip with me. We go out, we fish the Watauga both days. Um, great time, absolute great guys. Um, you know, I'm in my mid-30s and so were they. Um, so we had a lot in common. One of them uh, had been a police officer before and the other one is actually a corporate lawyer. And just really great guys, you know. And these are, these are guys that at the end of the trip we formed a group chat and we literally talked to each other, you know, almost daily. Like it, it's become pretty funny, but
0: like still to this day. Yeah,
1: still yeah. excuse me. Yeah, still still to this day. Um, and they're just they're just really good human beings. But anyway, um, one of the two has already come back for a couple trips uh on his own. And so uh favorite client, favorite story of a fish. Okay. okay. And it, it happened with him. His name's Charlie, he's a great guy. Um, so Charlie and I actually learned a good bit from him about the streamers. He's a huge streamer fisherman. And so he came back uh, last month during these cold winter mo- uh, months. And uh, we were down in the Watauga. He had caught, you know, a couple 20 plus, you know, rainbows that are in there uh, this time of year.
0: 20 on one float?
1: No, 20, like a 20 inch fish. Oh, so a tro- yeah.
0: Okay.
1: So okay. when we say 20 plus, like it's it's a 20 inch fish. So on these rivers, anything over 20 inches is considered a trophy. Okay. So we'd already caught a couple trophy rainbows, but what we were looking for was that very predatorial native brown trout to do its thing and just come after one of those big flies. And um, and I've seen it a few times, you know, in my lifetime, but I had never seen it like this. So we were floating down the lower end of the Wataga and uh, we just do a method where you slap the bank with the big fly, you strip it, and give it a couple strips into the boat. And usually on that second or third strip, that fish comes out and eats it. So we were in a little bit deeper of a section of the river and the water was pristine. I mean, it was clear and you could see 10 feet down to the bottom, just about and he slapped the bank and before he ever put the first strip on it i was looking at his fly over the side of the boat and i saw this brown trout with his mouth completely open he was 100 percent vertical coming up the water column oh, he just engulfed this big six inch fly jumped a solid four to five feet out of the water charlie set the hook midair and then the fish dove back down and took off downriver. Oh, um I think what was awesome with that was that we finally got to see one of those big fish in the most predatorial state that you will ever see. It. And I had never seen one eat a fly that aggressively to be 100% vertical to jump out of the water. That, it, it's in my head every day in, in talking about talking to both those guys in the group text. I mean, like... We're still talking about that. Oh, like sure. I wish I would have had the GoPros on the side of the boat or something and had that on film because it's one of those things that you explain to somebody and they're like, I mean, it sounds cool. You know, a fish coming vertical eating it. I'm like, but you should have seen how violent and aggressive it was. This like, is
0: why <laughs> I'm terrified of fish. I mean, especially <laughs> yeah. in waters that you can't see your feet. Um I'll, yeah. okay, okay. So yes, on to scary fish and things. We will bring a big question to the table. Yeah. What motivates you to get up in the morning?
1: man um, you know it's for me it's quite simple every day you have two things you have a chance and a choice right so you can get up and you can look at your chances and you can make your choices Um, I've got to take my chances and uh, I gotta look at my chances and make my choices to provide for my family one Uh, two I don't I don't want to live in this mundane world of a nine-to-five and I've created that atmosphere for myself to where I don't have to, and I am completely at the helm of what is going on in my life. So for me, it makes me excited to get up every day because I get to make that decision of what's happening. And so for me, that's a chance and a choice. And I like every day I wake up, you get to see your new chances and choices. And I think that's really cool.
0: I think that's super cool. Yeah. I think that's a great answer. And I know we didn't get too philosophical on the boat, but sure, I, I enjoy hearing your perspective on that kind of stuff. Just
1: um, talk. <laughs>
0: yes, just talking. Just talking. Um, so what's a favorite uh, dining place or a local spot to get drinks or see music that y'all like to go to?
1: I love this question so much because I, I may not be a native here, but... Um, yes it goes back to that hometown thing and a little bit what I was talking about earlier. So when I moved here and I met Marcus Atkins, um, was the bartender and the guy that I met who, who hooked me up in the first place and extended that hand to go on the river. I ended up later working at State line. Uh I was waiting on my boat to be built, needed something to do. And uh, you know, worked there for a little bit. And so I kind of became a part of that State Line family. And, you know, growing up in high school, my parents we always had jobs. They made us work. Uh, super appreciative of that later on in life. But uh with State Line and saying that, I had worked at a lot of restaurants growing up in the earlier years, and working at State Line was not like working at a restaurant, like it was this huge family type deal so anytime and and the other thing the history behind state line it's one of the longest standing bars on state street in downtown bristol they have amazing food uh their service is next to none i mean literally like if you go read a lot of their reviews or talk to anybody because i send a lot of my clients there that come and stay and they're like where do we go and i tell them they usually have live music thursday friday and saturday night um they have a karaoke night But for me, it's State Line Bar and Grill in uh, downtown Bristol. You're going to get top-notch service, it's a hometown family feel you're going to get good food the bartenders pour some of the best drinks that you'll ever have um it's just their, their whole entire atmosphere and the owner or owners jack and annette um you know their brother and sister and so that says it all right there in itself you know a brother and sister being able to work together for that long to run an establishment that's super successful right sure um so yeah stay bar and grill if if you're in the area and you need some good food good music and a, a family feel atmosphere with good service definitely Definitely, definitely stay line bar and Grill.
0: cool um and i hear you're a pretty big 49 winchester fan
1: Woo! Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, yeah and they're coming up here to, to bristol soon yeah in march or april I believe. so
1: uh they're doing a two day show so march 31st and april 1st uh at the paramount in downtown bristol yeah
0: okay you got a favorite pump up song
1: Favorite from them or uh, anybody yeah uh like that just listen to before i go fish yeah Um, no, my wife will attest to this. 49 Winchester is literally just on repeat in my car. I mean, all, all their, all three of their albums.
2: One day we were in the car for quite a long time and we finally were like, I think this song has played 15 times. No joke. And the song was on repeat on his phone over and over. They're just so
1: good. I don't even realize it, but, um. I don't have a specific song, but yeah, anything from 49, I'm a, I'm an old school guy. I love a lot of, uh, eighties, nineties, uh, classic, you know, rock, uh, type stuff. Um, so I just have a big, huge playlist, um, you know, of all those genres from, from those errors and that's, you know, we just get going.
0: Good stuff. I have been listening to them since I got off
1: the boat, so i uh, getting hooked. Uh, yeah, it's um, – Good stuff. Well, so, and, and, and not to go on this huge long story, but um, – and a lot of people who do know them know their story, but they're from Castlewood, Virginia. Um, you know, so they're just over state line there, over the state line. Um, they're just real dudes. They're real dudes. Uh they they just come from this this area. They are what the Appalachians stand for. And so yeah, it's it's, not,
0: it's it just ties back into that community. I mean, we got fishing, we got music, we got good food.
1: Well, and that to me that's Bristol and that's Johnson City. You know, I mean it's it's both. And of course Johnson City is a little bigger. Um, I'll just stand by this until it ever changes. But I don't think it is Bristol is my most one, of, like my most favorite place that I've ever been. And now I get to live here, but it does it. It just offers a little bit of everything. And a lot of things that I love, which is good for you, good food, music, um, the fishing. And then, uh, you and I talked a little bit about this on the boat was, uh, you know, you can go to beach mountain and go skiing. You can go do the Virginia creeper trail and go hiking. You can go to Rome mountain and do all those trails and, and the balds and all that stuff. And, um, there's just not, in my experience, there's just not that many places left in America where you have such this great influx of outdoor experience. And if you take a pencil and put it in the center of Bristol on a map and you do, you know, let's just even say a 50 mile to 75 mile radius around it, all this stuff is centrally located right in the center of it.
0: Absolutely, you and have it all.
1: You have it all. That's the best way to say it, you do. Yep. If you really, you have it all.
0: It was a great place to live. Um, So Taylor, can you tell our listeners how they can find out more about River Run Angling, Uh, any social media outlets and that kind of thing?
1: Yeah. um, So I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Um, you know, upfront and honest. I post one thing a month, whether it's, just five pictures from five different trips that month um sometimes i try to do a client of the month One of them, one time was a 14 year old kid is and there again they were from north carolina's dad booked him a full day trip solo it was just me and this 14 year old he rocked it out and crushed it so i made a little video of him and post i don't do a whole lot on social media is what i'm getting at but um my biggest thing is and and i put this out there for people like if you just go to my uh, my website, go to the About Us, there's there's a little, you know, blurb there about me and, and who I am and where I've been and kind of what I've done. Um, there's a contact form. I don't care if you're booking a fishing trip or not, um, And and... I had some guys reach out the other day from Minnesota. They weren't booking a trip. They just said, hey, we saw something else. I did a podcast with Dads on the Fly a few weeks ago, and they heard it. And uh, they said, hey, uh, we know you exist from this. Um, We're not booking a trip, but we have questions about the river. So we emailed back and forth for several days, got their questions answered, and they're coming down here. I don't care if you're booking a trip or not. If you just want to say, Hey, or need a question, you know, where do we go eat? Like, what is it, you know, about this or that? Like, just send me an email. I will email you back. That's, that's just how it goes with me. So reach out, reach out.
0: Okay. You heard it. Give Taylor a, a shout out at river yeah. Find him on Instagram. Um, I appreciate y'all both being here today. All three of you.
1: <laughs>
0: um, thanks for bringing in the fam.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having us visit Northeast Tennessee. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in um, where there's more to do, more to be, and more to see when you meet me in Tennessee. And we'll see you next time.
2: Absolutely.